Follow as I begin reading it, chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be Cursed. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that, it, it endures forever. I've always had somewhat of an affinity for the book of Galatians, and I, and I think that part of the reason is that the first Bible study I ever taught was in the book of Galatians. Susie and I had been Christians less than a year, and I was asked to teach a Bible study in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and, and we really didn't even know what a Bible study was, but I said yes, and, and uh, the only book I had was this one. And, um, and, and then somebody gave me this one, which, of course, is a commentary. Now, at the time, I didn't even know what commentaries were, nor that such a thing even existed. But it was certainly a wonderful help uh, in teaching the Bible study. And I can guarantee you that there were 12 people who were in that Bible study who really appreciated that somebody gave me that. But it was, um, it was about 12 people in an in a old, uh, it was a room in an old firehouse. Um, and it was really quite a fond memory for us, still is. But um, uh, there are other reasons that I really am drawn to the book of Galatians. Some of you might like Galatians 2, and maybe your reason is that uh, it's the book where the fruit of the Spirit are found. And that's true. They're found in uh, chapter 5. But that's not, that's not the thing that really drew me or draw, it, particularly as a young Christian, that drew me to the book of Galatians. The thing that, that I really enjoyed about the book of Galatians was the first two chapters. Do you know what happens in the first two chapters of Galatians? A fight, a very public, face-to-face argument breaks out between Peter and Paul. The two leaders of the church out in front of everybody are fighting, are not fist fighting. They're arguing. You know what they're arguing about? Let me show you. Look at chapter 2, verse 11. Um, 
we find these words. It says, but when Cephas, that is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. That is, he didn't go to his behind his back. I mean, he, he went face to face because he stood condemned. Why? Why? What was Peter doing that, that made him stand condemned? It's in verse 14. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Guys, do you see what Paul is so upset about? He's upset about the fact that Peter was living a life, the life being in contradiction with the gospel. And that's what they fought over. They fought over the gospel. And so in this very public showdown, I mean, people standing around gawking, as Peter and Paul had it out, and the, and the subject was the gospel. Now, there, there's another reason that I've really always been drawn to the book of Galatians, and, and it's really connected to that one. But it has to do with our text. As I read the text, did it grab you? Did it, like, like it seems to me, like, like it seems to grab me every time I read it. I'm, I'm just shocked by it. Did it, did it do that to you? Um, guys, could I, could I read it again? Not the whole thing, but let me just read verses six through nine. Can I read those? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and, <coughs> pardon me, and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. Paul opens this letter to the Galatians with a few uh, pleasantries, kind of, you know, greetings and salutations. And then he does something in this letter that pretty much is unparalleled in the entirety of the New Testament. What what is unparalleled is what I just read you. He says, I'm astonished. I'm, I'm overcome that you are so quickly deserting. The Greek word there is the word metatithemi, which is a word that is normally used to describe soldiers that defect. Turncoats, traitors. And so what Paul is calling them is spiritual traitors. And what have they turned to? He calls it a different gospel. 
And, and the gospel that he's referring to is the one that, that they had a big meeting over this. It's called the Jerusalem Council. It's recorded in Acts chapter 15. Here's the gospel, the different gospel. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. There it is. These guys wanted Moses to finish what Jesus had begun. Paul goes on that this, that, that, that these people are troubling you. You darn tootin' they are, folks. The word is terasso and it means to agitate. It means to stir up, shake. And how are they troubling you? They were troubling you because they were offering you a distorted gospel. Not that there really is another one. He says, but there are these strange, perverted, untrue. And then he comes to the coup de grace in verses 8 and 9. He has first in verse 6 expressed his astonishment at this whole thing. And then in verses 8 and 9, he's absolutely furious indignant and he says if anybody I, I don't care if an angel from heaven comes to you and offers you a gospel different from the one that you heard from my lips let him be accursed the Greek word there is anathema. And we have picked up that, English, that Greek word and we have brought it into the English language. And the English word is anathema. Now, Paul, that's a bit over the top, don't you think? I mean, um, it, you know, not, we shouldn't be. We, it's not loving. <laughs> uh, just this intemperate outburst on your part, that's not loving. And so... What he does next to make sure that people knew that this was not some kind of intemperate outburst is that he repeats himself in verse 9. Do you think that I just lost my head? No, I didn't. So let me say it again. And then he repeats it in verse 9. So that we might know he meant to say this. And what he says is, if you tamper with the gospel, I'm going to, if you will permit me just a bit of paraphrase, but not a whole lot. He says, if you tamper with the gospel, let them go to hell. Let them fall under a divine curse. Now, guys, we live in an age where that kind of talk is considered narrow-minded and intolerant, and it's not it's not kosher, it's not politically correct to have those kind of clear, strong convictions. I suggest to you that perhaps if we love the gospel as much as Paul and love the souls of men as much as Paul, we might talk like this more often too. 
But you can, you can debate that is until the cows come home if you'd like. Whether he should have said that or not. That, that's, you, I'll let you decide that. But there is one thing that is crystal clear about what he's saying here. And that is this. There is only one. There is only one gospel. And you can distort it and you can pervert it and you can misrepresent it and you can attack it. But there is only one. Now, what is it? What is that gospel? Come on, guys, tell me, what is the gospel? R.C. Sproul tells a, tells a story about being at a booksellers conference. I think that's where he was, and, and uh, this subject came up, and so he asked this group, and I think he said the group was about 100 people. He asked the people, um, what is the gospel? And he got answers like this. Uh, it's accepting Christ. It's um, inviting Jesus into your heart. And those are nice things. They're true things. They're, they're, they're pleasant things. Um, but is that the gospel? Um, part of the problem in our coming up with a definition of the gospel, folks, is that we use the word gospel in many different ways. For instance, we talk about the four gospels. Everybody knows what that is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or we use it like this. Uh, we say, well, that's the gospel truth. But I think we can do better, and I want to show you. If you'll turn real quickly to Romans chapter 1. Most people would say that the book of Romans is nothing more than the book of Galatians on steroids. By that I mean this. That Paul, because of that, that crisis that existed in Galatia, sat down and scribbled out this very quick, this very brief letter to try and address the problem that, that existed in Galatia. But later on, when he's in a prison, a Philippian prison, he's got plenty of time on his hands, and so he slowly, very calculatedly, sits down and writes out the gospel, or explains the same stuff that he does in the book of, uh, of Galatians. Now, gang, Paul is known for his long Greek sentences, as opposed to John. John writes Greek like this. John writes, I am the way. Or, I am the door. That's very simple Greek, very easy to translate. But the Apostle Paul's not like that. What I'm trying to, what I'm telling you is, from verse 1 to the end of verse 7 is one sentence. Try to diagram it sometime. That's one Greek sentence. But the point is, the, the, the subject of that, of that sentence is the gospel. Look at verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, gang, notice, this is important as we try to define what is the gospel, because there's only one of them. It's the gospel of God, not the gospel about God, but the one that belongs to God. Not, not where God is the subject, but where God is the owner. This is the gospel of God. And then he inserts some greetings and salutations. And then in verse 15, he returns to the subject. Verse 15, he says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. 
Now, guys, what comes next is what most people would consider the brief, succinct summary of the gospel, the most brief found in the New Testament. Verses 16 and 17. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Maybe we should stop right there because maybe maybe we are ashamed, but we don't have time. He's not ashamed for it's the power of God of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And here it comes. For in it, what's the it? The gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now there's your definition, ladies and gentlemen. And it is first and foremost that the gospel reveals what God has done, not what I am supposed to do. The gospel is an announcement. It's a proclamation and in it, God's righteousness is revealed. The righteousness that tells us that he has provided a way of escape from the wrath that we so richly deserve. Guys, every other major world religion will tell you to get your righteousness together and offer it to God. And hopefully he'll be pleased by it and you'll be okay. The Christian message is not that. The Christian message is, don't you give your righteousness to him because he has given his righteousness to us. And that righteousness is displayed in Christ Jesus, as you're told in verse 3, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, was declared to be the son of God and the power according to the spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring the obedience of faith. The gospel is an announcement. It is an announcement about what God has done to display his righteousness. And how did he display it? He displayed it in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And how do I receive it? You're told in verse 17. That righteousness that he has provided that meets all of my spiritual needs is received by faith. And faith is the opposite of anything meritorious. That is, I have no righteousness to offer him. I can only receive righteousness. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. A brief, succinct synopsis of the gospel that has come to be called in theological circles the doctrine of justification by faith. When you discuss that doctrine, the doctrine of justification by faith, you are discussing the gospel. Which is what we're going to do from now until Easter. Oh, great. He's going to... He's. Gonna, I'm worried about my job. And he wants to talk about doctrine. I mean, the, the stock market has lost 50% of its value. And, and he's going to tell us some... Theology. Yes, I am.
for several reasons, ladies and gentlemen, and listen to me. First and foremost is this. I know you're hurting. I know you're troubled. I know many of you are afraid. I've got my own set of fears that I deal with. But the thing that you need to know is not some kind of new strategy to hide your monies in some kind of 401k. What you need to know most is God. I'm telling you guys, just because you're a member of a church doesn't mean that you understand the gospel. And I'm hoping these four or five weeks will help. They will help define the gospel. And then there's one more reason, and then we'll go to the sacraments. But there's one more reason that I want to do what I'm doing. It's, it's in 2 Corinthians 11. If I could read this to you real quick. Paul says, I, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. I feel a divine jealousy for you. For I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the, as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one that we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you re- accept a different gospel from the one that you accepted, you put up with it. Guys, one of my great concerns is that we are all too ready and too quick to put up with something which is not the gospel. We are ready to wink at error and I guess in the name of tolerance or something. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that ain't going to help you in the midst of this crisis. Guys, you better know this God. And here's why. Because in the midst of all this pain that we're in, Satan's going to come to you like he does to me at night. And he'll whisper something like this. Ah, this isn't real. None of this is real. <laughs> You've been duped. Or he'll say, oh, it's real, all right, but you're not. Or he'll say, you know why you're going through this, don't you? It's because you did Fill in the blank. We all got something to put in that blank, don't we? The reason that you lost your job is because you did back in college or last weekend. And in the midst of all that, ladies and gentlemen, you had best know The gospel. Folks, the gospel is not good advice. It's good news. 
Every other major religion will say, now you go do this, and you go do this, and you go do this, and give you some good advice. The gospel is not good advice. It's good news. Oh, there's good news out there, ladies and gentlemen. But it's not in the tarp. It's not in the federal bailouts. It's not in the stimulus plan. The good news is in the gospel. A gospel that announces that God has provided the righteousness that he demands, which is displayed in Christ and received. Have you embraced that gospel? Because there's only one. Our Father, I do pray that you will encourage your people, that you will remind them that they are safe, and that all the whisperings of the evil one will never get through to the base of their soul. And that they might be able to combat and do battle with all that's being suggested by returning again and again and again to the beauties of the gospel. Father, meet us now as we reenact the display of your righteousness in Christ Jesus. We pray in his name.